Chapter Twenty of The Book of This and That. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Book of This and That by Robert Lind. THE TERRORS OF POLITICS There is a good deal to be said for Mr. Lloyd George's complaint against the world for its treatment of politicians. In one sense, it may be better to throw a brick at a politician than to trust him. It encourages the others. Unhappily, it is a habit that, once acquired, is by no means easy to discontinue one throws one's first brick as a public duty before one has got through one's first cartload however one is throwing for the sheer exhilaration of the thing it is difficult for instance to believe that if mr leo max went to paradise itself he would be able to forget his cunning with the words swindlers rogues and cabals one feels sure that he would discover some angels requiring to be denounced for singing cocoa hymns and some committee of the saints which it was necessary to arraign as foozle and company the popularity of mr max's redundant abuse in the national review seems to me to be one of the most significant phenomena of the day it is a symptom of the reviving taste for looking on one's political opponent not only as a public but as a private villain there was probably never a time when it was a more popular amusement both in print and at the dinner-table to give a twist of criminality to the portraiture of political enemies when daniel o'connell denounced disraeli as quote, the heir at law of the blasphemous thief who died on the cross end quote. he was abusing him not for his home life but as a public figure similarly when sir william harcourt described mr chamberlain as quote, a serpent gnawing a file end quote. he said nothing with which would make even the most proper lady shrink from bowing to mr chamberlain in the street the modern sort of nomenclature however has gone beyond this it is a constant suggestion that cabinets are recruited from pentonville and wormwood scrubs one would hardly be surprised on meeting a prime minister nowadays to find that he had the bristly chin and the club of bill sykes as for the rank and file of ministers one does not insult bill sykes by comparing them to him one thinks of them rather as on the level with racecourse sneak thieves and the bullies of disorderly houses decidedly they are not persons to take tea with calumny of course is as old as adam or at least as joseph and one remembers that even mr gladstone was accused of the vulgarest immorality till a journalist tracked him down and discovered that it was rescue work and not the deadly sin with the largest circulation which was his private hobby that sort of libel no man can escape who risks remaining alive perhaps we should come to hate our public men as the athenians came to hate aristides if we could find nothing evil to think about them what the politician of the present day has to fear 
is not an occasional high tide of calumny or even a volley of the old-fashioned abusive epithets which are so to speak all in the day's play it is rather the million-eyed beast of suspicion which democracies every now and then take to their bosoms as a pet often it seems a noble beast for it is impossible to be suspicious all the time without sometimes suspecting the truth its food however is neither primarily truth nor primarily falsehood it thrives on both indifferently and one foresees that during the transition stage between the break-up of the old manners of servility and the inauguration of the new manners of service this beast is going to be more voracious than ever this may from some points of view be a good thing it will be an announcement at least of new forces struggling to become politically articulate on the other hand from the politician's point of view it will be not only deplorable but terrifying it will be worse than having to fight wild beasts in the arena politics it is safe to prophesy will before long call for as cool a nerve as determined a heroism as aviation it may be that things have always been like this that base motives have been imputed to politicians ever since politics began that one's political enemies always charged one with a dishonest greed for the spoils of office and all the rest of it but the terror of the politics of the future is likely to be not that one will be abused by one's enemies but that one will be abused by one's friends that is the tendency in a democracy which has not yet found itself it is a tendency which one sees occasionally at work to-day at labor conventions the unofficial leaders denounce the official leaders the official leaders retort in kind and the hosts of labor set out to face the enemy tugging at each other's ears there is no job on earth less enviable than the job of a labor leader the tory and radical leaders are supported at least in public by their respective parties but the later leader at home among his followers is commonly regarded as a cross between a skunk and a whited sepulchre as a rule it may be he deserves all he gets but the point is that he would get it just the same whether he deserves it or not the light that beats upon a labor mp's seat on the platform is a thousand times fiercer and more devouring than any that ever beat upon a throne this partly arises from the fact that the working classes are less practiced than others in concealing what passes through their minds if they suspect the worst they say so instead of passing a vote of thanks to the object of their suspicions further they are still fresh enough to politics to be very exacting in their demands upon politicians other people have got accustomed to the idea that lawyers whether liberal or tory do not go into the house of commons as the americans say for their health they have settled down comfortably to regard politics as a field of personal ambition even more than a field of public service no doubt the two aims are to a great extent compatible but even so no one expects the ordinary party politician to have the faith that goes to the stake for a conviction labor on the other hand in so far as it is articulate does demand faith of this kind from its leaders if they do not possess it already it is prepared to thump it into them with a big stick the difficulty is to retain this faith after one has been as it were inside politics 
one goes into politics believing in the faith that will remove mountains one remains in politics believing in the machine that will remove molehills it is only the rare politician who does not ultimately succumb to the fatal fascination of the machine it may be the party machine or the parliamentary machine or the administrative machine in any case and to whatever party he belongs he soon comes to take it for granted not that the machine must be made to do what the people want but that the people must learn to be patient even to the point of reverence with the machine and must be careful to keep it supplied not with the vinegar of criticism but with the oil of agreement which alone enables its wheels to run smoothly democracy has again and again had to rise up and smash its machines just because they had become idols in this way no doubt even were socialism in full swing the idolatry of machinery would still to some extent continue and new machines would constantly have to be invented to take the place of the old as soon as the latter began to acquire the pseudo-religious sanction there will probably still also be people who will go about wanting to destroy machinery from a rather illogical idea that anything which is even capable of being turned into an idol must be evil the politicians and the anti-politicians will always stand to each other in the relation of priests and iconoclasts quote, priests of machinery end quote, indeed would be a much more realistic description of most politicians from mr lloyd george's phrase quote, priests of humanity end quote. there you have the politician's doom there you have the real terror for the good man going into politics he dreads not that he will be called names so much as that he will deserve them office he knows is as perilous a gift as riches and the temptation to be a tyrant if it is only in a committee room down a side street has destroyed men who stood out like heroes against drink and the flesh and gold the house of commons could easily drift into becoming the house of the six hundred tyrants if only the public would permit it there is no amulet against the despotism of politicians except living opinions among the people it would be foolish however merely because politicians are in danger of setting themselves up as tyrants to propose to exterminate them they can if taken in time and domesticated be made at least as useful as a horse and the cow indeed so long as they are content to be regarded merely as our poor brothers they can be as useful as any other human beings almost except the saints but they must demand no sacrosanctity for their position at present when they denounce people for abusing them they are as often as not angry merely at being criticized they are too fond of thinking that it is the chief function of the electors to pass votes of confidence in them that is why heartily as i love politicians i would keep them on a chain but i would not throw stones at them in their misery i would even feed the brutes End of chapter 20 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida